Father God, we give you great thanks and praise for your holy word that speaks to us even this day. Come amongst us now, we pray, by your Holy Spirit and speak afresh into our hearts and minds. Help us to take this path through Holy Week with Jesus Christ our Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to thank Canon Joe for the introduction and the opportunity here to be in this great church about which I have heard so much. Special privilege to be with you on this journey through Holy Week. As we remember again the Son of God stepping into the human crisis, making it his own, and turning the whole tide of history so that there could be hope, a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness would dwell. So we gather this Holy Week to think about Jesus as he prepares for his death and resurrection. And what I want to think about today and tomorrow is why he was going to die. And I want to take two images, two texts really, that speak into the heart of that matter. Why had Jesus come and why had he set his face towards Jerusalem? and his death. And today, we think about the fact he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And tomorrow, we remember he came to give his life as the Lamb of God for the sin of the world. But if you think about this language today of ransom, we're immediately struck by the fact that Jesus thinks we need to be set free. A ransom is a payment made to set people free. And if Jesus thinks many need a ransom, it must be there are many who are in prison. And as the gospel accounts unfold and the New Testament continues, we find we are imprisoned to sin. Jesus said that we're slaves to sin. We're imprisoned by death. We can't overcome it. And we are in fact under evil powers, even the power of the devil himself, until Jesus sets us free. It's very easy to believe that we're free. Even a prisoner can believe that they're free, sitting in their cell. It's only when they try the door to get out, they find they're not free at all. Remember hearing the story of a young woman who just completed her studies in England and was heading out into Europe to do her own thing. The things that she perhaps wouldn't want her family or friends to know. But a good Christian friend of hers spoke to her before she went. She said, you've told me a lot about how free you are to do these things. Tell me this, are you free not to do them? And several years later, that was the question that brought her to the Christian faith. But I want us to particularly think about this verse from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 45. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the minute we hear this phrase, the Son of Man, we hear a phrase that, frankly, we don't use very much about Jesus. We often think of him as the Son of God, or the Son of David. We don't often call him the Son of Man. But Jesus liked that title, and he used it about himself a great deal. He used it to speak of his authority. That amazing moment when he healed that man who was paralyzed and brought to him by his friends 
Firstly, Jesus forgave him his sins and then he raised him up so he could walk home. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, get up, take up your bed and walk. We also get this phrase, Son of Man, used a lot when Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he was on the path to his death and resurrection. The Son of Man will be delivered up into the hands of wicked men. Another time that Jesus loves to use this title of himself, the Son of Man, is thinking about his return at the last days. No doubt picking up from the prophecy in Daniel. That you will see the Son of Man at the right hand side of God, coming in the clouds. So clearly for Jesus, this phrase, Son of Man, had all sorts of power and authority about it. This is no ordinary person who's come to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, no ordinary person would do. Very striking verse in in Psalm and verse 49, sorry, chapter 49 and verse 7, which says this, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. You or I, even if we felt so disposed to give our life for somebody else, we couldn't pay their ransom because we are ourselves in debt to sin and death and the devil. What it needed was someone much greater than just us. It needed not just a son of man, but the son of man. who had the authority and the power to overcome the forces that are greater than us and pay a price more than any of us could conceivably afford. Why we think about this today, straight after Palm Sunday, as we celebrate Jesus as the King coming humble, gently. It had to be someone of that authority and power if they're really going to pay the ransom to set the human race free. But then we go on to see, Jesus said, he didn't just come as a son of man, he came not to be served, but to serve. It's a very striking thing. I think it's pretty much assumed by many people that as they go up the ladder, one of the privileges of going up the ladder is that there are more people to serve you. Seems that God doesn't see things the same way. The more powerful, the more people we can serve. God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ as the servant of all. He stoops to where we are, to raise us up, to where he is. That's why Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, to face his death. Because he knows that nothing less will deal with the crisis that we're in. Nothing less would set us free from captivity to sin and death and the devil. He comes to set us free. That's a very striking thing to me that someone of such incredible value as the Son of God was willing to serve us in this radical way. To put himself at risk to set us free. It reminds me a little bit of the great King David who in some ways foreshadows this extraordinary figure of Jesus Christ. But when King, King David, before he became the king, was trying to explain to King Saul that he should take on Goliath. He explained something of how he'd been acting as a shepherd 
So we're here in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 34. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, struck him and killed him. This is a very courageous shepherd. He's willing to grab a lion by the beard. I couldn't be a shepherd if that's what it involves. But he was a shepherd. He was a human being. And he was willing to risk his life for a sheep. They were going to eat the sheep anyway, frankly. And there's going to be a bit of attrition. They're going to lose one here and there. But he was willing to risk his life for the sheep. That gives us a little premonition of what Jesus would do. Someone whose value is vastly more than any value of any of our lives. I, he says, am willing to serve, even to the point of death. It's a very striking thing he comes to say. But of course it ends with the thing which is really the punchline, the heart of the text for today. He comes to give his life as a ransom for many. Now we still get this language of ransom in our own culture today. Some people are held ransom so that someone will pay some substantial sum of money before they are released. Blackmail. But probably in Jesus' time, in his earthly ministry, there'd be two kinds of people that would come to mind when you think about a ransom. One group would be those who were in prison because they were in debt they couldn't pay. But if someone else would pay their debt, then the prisoner could go free. Because someone had paid the ransom for them. Another person that would probably come to mind was a prisoner of war. If you wanted your prisoners back at the end of a war, no problem. But you have to pay for them. And the more valuable the prisoner, the higher the price to get them back. And if, during the battle, the king himself had been taken prisoner, guess what? He had to pay the king's ransom to get him back. But again, this is an extraordinary thing of what's going on here. It's the king himself who's coming to give his life as a ransom for the prisoners. And not just give his life, are we talking about actually dying? It is such an extraordinary thing. He came to give his life. Not to simply give some check, not simply give some of his gifts or resources, but to lay down his life so that those of us who are in prison may be released. Firstly, we realise that these things of sin and death and the devil that easily are taken lightly these days, they must be much more serious in God's eyes than they are in ours. And it must be that the love of God that would be willing to go to these lengths to rescue us from a crisis that we're hardly aware of most of the time, He's willing to love us that much to go to those lengths to get us free. We would not know the seriousness of sin and we would not know the greatness of the love of our God were it not for the cross of Jesus. He came to give his life to set us free. Maybe it reminds us a little bit of that great moment in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. When the great Aslan, that beautiful lion... He's willing to go to the stone altar so that the traitor, Edmund, could be set free. That's the imagery here. 
It's a powerful, powerful thing. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom to set the prisoners free. I was very struck a few years ago, I was at uh, Dallas Fort Worth Airport. And I met a woman who needed to be set free from captivity to anger. Took me a while to find that out. But we had plenty of time, our flight was delayed. But we had what I would regard as the most significant spiritual conversation of my life. Took a while to work out what the problem was, but she was angry at God. And let her brother die in his mid-fifties, leaving teenage children. He's also angry that she left it a bit late for the aeroplane that morning. Got caught speeding by the police. Missed her flight. Lost her glasses. Lost her cell phone. She was due to fly out at 10 o'clock in the morning. I met her at 9 o'clock in the evening. She was beside herself with fury. She took it out particularly on the airline representative. Apparently they had to call security on her earlier. I didn't know all this, thankfully, when I sat down beside her. Well, she said she'd been through therapy and hadn't really got her very far. Well, I'd just been teaching, funny enough, at the church I attend on the subject of the seven deadly sins, the sin of anger. So they would say, at the end of the day, we need help with a problem as big as this. Only God can fix it. And I had a prayer with me, as a kind of classic prayer of surrender, prayer asking God's forgiveness, asking for the Spirit of God to take us and make us new. I showed her the prayer. I said, now take a look at that prayer. Have you ever prayed that prayer before or something like it? No, she said. I said, would you like to pray it now? She said, no, thank you. I was astonished because she was so utterly desperate. I said, why don't you want to pray it? She said, if I pray that prayer, I don't know who I will be afterwards. Everyone knows I'm angry Lucy. Let's call her Lucy. If I pray that prayer, who will I be afterwards? Well, I said, you're welcome to take that prayer away and pray it another time. Or if you like, we could pray it together. Oh, she said, I'd like that. So we sat and we prayed that prayer together. Let's say gate D88 at Dallas-Fort Worth. I don't remember where it was. Very public event, by the way. If you're on that flight, do let me know afterwards. People would remember it. Lots of tears. Well, we said that prayer. We said other prayers. She stood up. She looked across at the airline representative. She told me later she was going to go and punch her out. But she said she looked at that airline representative now. She said, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel compassion for her. And she started bouncing up and down on the spot. Like she'd lost the great burden from her back. I don't think she'd read Bunyan yet, but I hope she has by now. But you could see the burdens lifted. She gave me a big hug. She was so excited. She went to the man behind me in the line. Gave him a big hug. He was a bit surprised. She says she doesn't normally go around hugging strangers. And I affirmed her in that plan. I said, I think you need to phone your husband, tell him what's going on. And so she did. And as the rest of us were getting on the plane to come home, and she wasn't, took the phone off her ear and said, I'm just talking to my husband. He thinks I'm drunk. I said, you've got to read Acts chapter 2 when you get home. This problem has happened before. Now, it's very rare to see such a dramatic release from captivity as I saw in Lucy that day. But the same God who revealed himself in Jesus Christ to set us free, to pay the ransom for our liberation, he has the power to set every one of us free from everything. It won't be an instant cure, and I dare say angry Lucy is on time from time, angry Lucy still. 
But she knows the one with the power who can deal with that. So to think about this great ransom paid for us. Let's celebrate it. Let's seize it again today. Let's acknowledge before God any place in our lives where we need to be set free from captivity to sin, death and the devil. Surrender our lives afresh today and give thanks to God for this great ransom that has been paid. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I want to just start with some words from the great hymn. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. Lord God, we do come to give you great praise for this astonishing thing that Jesus has done for us giving his life as a ransom for many. Come afresh today, this week, this season of our lives. Set us free from the burdens we carry. And may your good news go out into all the world that you've come to set us free. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, fill our hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.